All right. I appreciate uh, the opportunity to try again. We've been thinking together about the parables of Jesus and the principles that these parables uh, present for us regarding kingdom living. When John the Baptist came on the scene, he was preparing the way for Jesus to come, and his message was, Repent, for the kingdom is at hand. When Jesus was baptized and came out of the water, you know that he went into the wilderness and he was tempted by the devil. When he came from that experience, he also went about preaching, Repent, for the kingdom is at hand. His general message in presenting these parables to people was there are certain principles for living in God's kingdom. And so Jesus' earthly ministry was all about the kingdom of heaven being projected into the world of men. That is the area in which God reigns. He is sovereign. Listen, he is not sovereign in the hearts of all people. But he is sovereign in the hearts of those who accept his son and submit to his lordship. And that group of people, that is the group of people in whose hearts he reigns. And so he is king in the kingdom of their hearts. You remember Jesus said, listen, the kingdom doesn't come with observation. The kingdom is within you. Jesus wants us to know how to live in the kingdom and he wants us to understand the expectations that he has for those who are in the kingdom Eric mentioned Luke chapter 8 so we'll use Luke chapter 8 Jesus talks about the parable of the seeds or the sowers and the soils and so let's use Luke 8 we'll look at that one uh, as we it could have been Matthew it could have been Mark 4 we'll use Luke 8 I got no problem with Luke 8 it's in the book. It's, it, it, all of them will work the same. They'll all work the same. Uh, let's look at Luke 8. In Luke 8, Jesus is going to help us understand something about our, our participation in the kingdom. The Bible says in verse number 4, When a great multitude came together, and they of every city resorted unto him, he spoke a parable. The sower went forth to sow his seed. And as he sowed, some fell by the wayside, and it was trodden underfoot, and the birds of the heaven devoured it, and other fell on the rock. As soon as it grew, it withered away because it had no moisture, and other fell amidst the thorns. And the thorns grew with it and choked it, and other fell into the good ground and grew and brought forth fruit a hundredfold. And as he said these things, he cried, He who has ears to hear let him hear and his disciples asked him what this parable might be now listen they heard what he said but they did not perfectly understand the message the lesson they were supposed to take from it now you recall I told you a parable is laying two things alongside each other for purposes of comparison they heard what he said but what they're struggling to do now is make the application he expects for kingdom living And so he says to them in verse number 10, unto you it is given to know the mysteries of the kingdom of God. That's what the parable is about. But to the rest in parables that seeing they may not see and hearing they may not understand. He makes reference to something that Isaiah said in verse 11. Now the parable is this. 
The seed is the word of God. And those by the wayside are they that when they heard, then comes the devil and takes away the word from their heart that they may not believe and be saved. And those on the rock are they who, when they have heard, receive the word with joy. And these have no root who for a while believe and in time of temptation fall away. And that which fell among the thorns, these are they which heard and as they go on their way are choked with the cares and riches and pleasures of this life and bring no fruit to perfection. And that in the good ground, these are such as in honest and good heart, having heard the word, hold it fast and bring forth fruit with patience. What's uh, what's happening here? Jesus expects us to be liberal in our sowing. Liberal in our sowing. I don't know if there's anyone in here who does any gardening. I have a garden at home and I like to go out and I see one. I like to go out and I like to spend time in my garden. I just kind of think this is God put Adam on the earth to keep the garden. And I feel like that's one of the good things I can do with my time. I take my kids out there to let them get their hands in the dirt and kind of understand. And there's lots of things you can show in the Bible in gardening. There's lots of things you can show. Lots of references to gardening and so forth in some of the lessons we're supposed to learn. But here's one of the differences between what I do and the area where I live. There's lots of people farming and what they did in Bible times. When I want to plant something in the ground, I will go to a particular place and I will till the ground and I will put compost materials in the ground and I will prepare the soil and then I will say to my kids, okay, I want you to put a hole right there and you can put two seeds in it and then I want you to go another 12 inches and put a hole right there and you can put two seeds in that one and I want you to do that all the way up and down this area right here, very careful about where the seed goes. In the uh, area where we are, they have these big farms, you know, and they have these big tractors with machinery and so forth. And they will come along and prepare the ground and those rows will be perfectly laid and they put the seeds in the exact places they want them. And listen, they're trying to maximize the space that they have. But see, that's a modern construct. That's that's a modern construct, largely a Western construct. When you go back to Bible times, when you go back to these Eastern cultures, they don't sow like that. You'd have a man who would walk into a field and he'd have a bag, a sack draped around himself. And he would reach his hand into the sack and grab a fistful of seed and sling seed everywhere. And Jesus said, you know, sometimes that seed is going to fall by the wayside. If he was taking his time and inspecting the earth and trying to make sure everything was perfect, I mean, he wouldn't have put seed there because it was wayside. You know, the wayside soil, this is an area where men have sort of trampled upon it time and time again. Maybe they've made a a thoroughfare there. The soil is so hard, the seed is not going to penetrate. And if he took the time to inspect that area, he would know that. And that would not be the area where he wants the seed to fall. But he didn't do that. He was just slinging seed everywhere. And some of it fell on the wayside. You know, there'd be some areas over there in Israel 
they have this uh, sloping limestone. And so there are some areas where there'd be a little soil, but just underneath the soil, there would be limestone. If the gentleman who was sowing had taken the time, he could see that this area was not deep enough for anything to grow and be maintained. I mean, there's some areas in my garden, you know, where the soil is so hard that if I plant something there, I'm never going to get anything. I've got to do a lot of work to prepare that area if I want to use it. I might have to build a box there and upgrade the soil in order for something to grow. If I take my time and look at it, I can see this is just, listen, right underneath this shallow area. It's too hard. Nothing's going to grow. But here's what will happen in these, uh, in these areas, what he calls the stony ground. The seed will land in that area and the seed will spring up immediately. You know why? Because the seed is only about a half an inch into the ground. And so it gets a little moisture, it gets a little sun and it springs up immediately. So you come out there and you think to yourself, boy, this is going pretty well until, until the sun comes up. See, then when it gets hot, that seed will spoil. That plant will die. Why? Because it has no root. I tell my children when we go out to water, listen, we don't water the plants. We water the soil. The plants draw their nutrition from the soil. We need to get the water down where the roots are. The roots will do the work of bringing the nutrition up, but we need to get it on the roots, not on the plants. What if the soil is not deep enough? What if the roots can only penetrate so far? They won't get enough water. And when the sun comes up, the plants wither and die. If the person who was doing the sowing had taken the time to go through inspecting all of the soil where he was, he would have known that there was stony ground there and he would have known that that's not where he wanted the seed to fall. But he didn't do that. There'd be some areas where there were weeds. The weeds would be very aggressive. If he took his time, he would know there's a bunch of weeds in this area. And if I sow the seeds here, the seeds may spring up. But you know the thing about weeds? They will grow where you don't want them and they'll grow more aggressively than what you planted. If you don't deal with the weeds, you won't get any fruit out of that area. We'll go into the garden and till everything to get rid of the weeds. And uh, sometimes we'll sow seed into the ground. A lot of times we'll start with seeds on, in uh, you know, little cups or something like that and transport them. But listen, if we put seeds into the ground, it's amazing. The weeds always grow more and more quickly than what I'm planting. That's just the way weeds work. If this man had uh, been inspecting the soils, he would have said, you know what? I'm going to bypass this area because there's so many weeds here. And I know I won't get anything out of it. The weeds will wrap all around the, the seedlings that I planted and choke them out. They'll take the nutrients out of the ground so that my plants won't grow. I'll never get any fruit from it. But here's the thing. You didn't take time trying to inspect all of the soils. He reached his hand into his bag. He grabbed a fistful of seed. And he slung seed everywhere. Some of it fell on the wayside. Some of it fell on stony ground. 
Some of it fell in thorny areas or areas where there was lots of weeds. But some of it fell on good ground. The good ground is the only area he would have chosen if he had actually gone through and inspected all of the land. The good ground was was tilled, so to speak. It was prepared. It was it was barren in that there were not a bunch of weeds there. It was deep and substantive so that the seedlings could get their roots deep into the ground and draw nutrients from all around and soak up the moisture that would be in the ground. The good ground, if he had inspected all of the soils, this is the only area he would have chosen to sow in. But this is what I want you to keep in mind. They didn't sow like that. They used what was called the broadcast method. You just sling seed all over the field. The good soil will reveal itself by how it handles the seed that falls in it. Why do I tell you that? Jesus told his disciples to go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Jesus told them to go and make disciples among all nations. He says to his disciples, it's written, and thus it behooved Christ to suffer and rise from the dead the third day, and that repentance and remission of sins should be preached, listen to it, among all nations beginning first at Jerusalem. The Bible tells me that Jesus so loved the world, God so loved the world, that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Jesus said he laid his life down, not just for me, not just for those around me, but for the whole world. God expects a broadcasting of the word of God. You see, he says, listen, the disciples hear this and they're thinking to themselves, oh, we, we hear the parable, we understand about agriculture and so forth. I, I think we kind of get the point, but, but what does this parable mean? And Jesus says, listen, if you can't understand this parable, you're not going to understand any parables. This is how the kingdom works. You having received the benefit and the blessing, you being engrafted in, you being allowed to participate in the kingdom of God are expected now to Go out and be liberal in your sowing. You know what I notice sometimes? You know what I notice? I notice that we have a few more soil inspectors than sowers in the kingdom sometimes. We have more people who spend their time studying the soil and figuring out all the reasons why not to sow rather than simply reaching the hand into the bag, taking a fistful of God's word and slinging it everywhere. That's how God expects it to be done. The broadcast method. You cannot get the gospel to every person in every place by being selective about where the gospel lands. You simply broadcast the gospel and you let the soil determine the reception. And sometimes, you know what? 
you'll be disappointed in the reception. Sometimes the seed will will fall on the wayside. And then the Bible says Jesus would say that, you know what, the devil was going to come along and he'll scoop that seed up off of the soil and the soil will never be penetrated because some people won't believe and be saved. A lot of people just won't accept it. There's a lot of wayside soil out there. Does that mean that they don't deserve an opportunity to obey the gospel? No, it doesn't mean that. The wayside soil still got seed didn't it sometimes there will be soil that is uh, shallow this is the stony ground you know what on the surface it'll look all right and you'll share something with them you'll share the word of God with them and they will sort of spring up immediately they'll receive the word with joy it'll seem like listen this is exactly what I was hoping for it'll look like that immediately but then when the sun comes up When persecution arises, when difficulty results, wither and die. Because the faith is shallow. But does the fact that the soil is shallow mean the person does not deserve an opportunity to hear the gospel? Did you notice that the shallow soil still receives seed? The uh, thorny ground. This is shared soil. You know, sometimes people expect that they're going to uh, sort of be committed to God and be committed to some other things that are not consistent with their commitment to God. This is a, a shared heart. The fruit is not going to be born in ground like that. I mean, God expects a person to have A committed, singular heart. But not everybody has that. And so in this circumstance, it'll look like things are going well initially. There will be some production initially. But over time, the cares and the riches and the pleasures of this world will strangle the truth out. So that it will not have a benefit. It will not bear fruit in this person's life. Question. Does that mean that this person does not deserve an opportunity to hear the truth? Did you notice that the shared soil still received seed? Wayside, stony, thorny, it all received seed. Wayside hearts, stony hearts, thorny hearts, they all need the gospel of Jesus Christ. If you use the broadcast method, if you simply tell everyone the good news about Jesus Christ, sometimes you will see that the truth, the message that you share is going to fall on all of these kinds of hearts and no fruit will ever be brought to maturity. You'll see that and you'll be somewhat disappointed about it. Listen, that's natural. I go out into my garden and listen, sometimes I plant tomatoes and tomatoes are kind of like weeds. You know, you just plant one tomato plant, you'll find you'll find tomato plants growing everywhere. And sometimes I'll find one in an area where I didn't plant it. And I won't pull it up right away. I just hope 
Well, I didn't even plant that one over there. I'm going to just leave it alone. I'm going to stake it up and maybe I'll get something out of it. And I'm usually disappointed. Because there's a reason I didn't plant it over there, right? I didn't plant it over there because there's weeds over there. I didn't plant it over there because it's shallow over there. And tomato plants need deep roots and a lot of water and it's not going to get it there. But I won't pull it up. I'll just hope. And a lot of times I'm disappointed. But I'm not going to pull it up. The reason I won't is because every now and again, in an area where I didn't see fit to plant it, the tomato plant will take root and it will grow and it will be among the most productive plants that I have. I wouldn't have expected it. Sometimes in an area where I did not expect increase, I will see I will receive increase 30, 60 or 100 fold. See, if you don't do this, if you're not a farmer, you don't appreciate this. But, you know, fivefold is a bumper crop. I mean, we're having a great year here. Jesus said 30 fold, 60 fold, 100 fold. I know Mark says that. What's the point? When you broadcast the word of God, a lot of people, leave. a lot of people just won't want to hear it. A lot of people's hearts are hard and they will not receive it. They will never believe and be saved. And that's disappointing. A lot of times people uh, will be very shallow about the way they receive the word of God. And so they'll never grow to maturity. They, they, they'll never have any increase. And that's disappointing. A lot of times people listen, people come into the church sometimes with all kinds of problems, things that occupy their minds, things that have a hold of them. And sometimes they can't really let them go. And that's disappointing because they won't bring any fruit to maturity. But the sower does not sow for the joy of sowing. The sower sows for the joy of reaping. And every now and again seed when it's broadcast will fall on some good ground and all the good ground is not going to bear the same kind of fruit you just got to know that see if you have a plant that's giving you one plant is giving you less than another you're not disappointed that the one is giving you less you're thankful for what this one is giving you if the other is giving you more that's fantastic that's great but I'm thankful for all the increase 30 60 a hundredfold. I once heard uh, George Bailey. If you don't know, George Bailey's a preacher. He's been in poor health uh, for a long time. I, I do believe he's still alive, but he's been in poor health for a long time. But I once heard George Bailey say, a pint cannot hold a quart, and it's not expected to. But it best be sure that it holds a pint. Everybody can't do the same things, but you're just thankful for what people can do. You're thankful for the increase that you do see. What's the point of the, uh, this parable about the sower and the soils? Well, what is the point? We are expected in the kingdom to be liberal in our sowing because God does increase. You remember Paul would say 
that listen, I planted, Paulus watered, God gave the increase. God does give increase. Why am I saying this to you? Listen, I talk to lots of congregations of people about these matters. I see this right there in Montgomery, Alabama, where I am. Somewhere along the way, we have lost our fervor for sharing the word of God with people. And having done so, we have removed ourselves from the work of sowing the seed of the kingdom for so long that we become sort of out of practice and uncomfortable. Can you believe that? Jesus says, go into all the world and share the gospel with every creature. And in some places, we have been derelict for so long that we are no longer comfortable doing the very thing he told us we must. And when we're confronted about that, when we think about that, we will sometimes excuse ourselves by saying there's something wrong with the soil. Are you following me? They don't want to hear it. Does that mean they don't receive seed? People are too busy now. People are too preoccupied now. People are distracted now. Does that mean they don't receive seed? Jesus said every person in every place. We are not soil inspectors we are called to be seed sowers we just broadcast the word and we let the soil determine what happens when it interacts with the seed listen when Jesus preached you know not everybody uh, not everybody obeyed when Jesus preached did y'all know that Eric I don't know if you've met a preacher who was more effective than Jesus but I haven't. And when Jesus preached, not everyone listened to him. Sometimes when Jesus preached, he received a hostile reception. Sometimes when Jesus told people the truth, they walked away and sneered at him as they did so. You remember in John 6, he says to the people, except you eat my flesh and drink my blood, you don't have any life in you. And the people walked away. There's never been a more effective preacher, never been a more effective teacher than Jesus. And sometimes when he broadcast the word, it fell on soil that wasn't very receptive. I've not met a preacher who was better at preaching than the Apostle Paul. Now, Paul would say that sometimes, listen, he wasn't impressive. And he's writing to the second, second Corinthians, you know, they didn't think he was very impressive to look at. He didn't he didn't necessarily think he was very impressive the way he sounded. But I've never met a preacher who was more effective. And, you know, they would run Paul out of town just about everywhere he went. They stoned him if he didn't move fast enough. A lot of people resisted the message that he shared. But some minority of people would accept it. He broadcast and he would find some good ground from place to place. And then that good ground would grow and spring up and bring forth fruit. Some places, some hearts, some congregations, 30 fold, some 60, some 100. What's my point? 
Listen, I didn't ask anybody before I came. I do not have a clue what you're doing. Are you busy sowing the seed of the kingdom? See, because that's, that, that's your first work. You be faithful yourself. And then you share the message of the kingdom with those around you. I was having a conversation with some very, very mature Christians. I was having a conversation uh, recently and they were telling me, you know, they've gotten discouraged about evangelism. So we were just discouraged. And I'm saying, well, tell me why. What's going on? Well, that, listen, there was this one guy and he was got he was caught up with this one issue. And I went through this with him round and round about and wrote a whole bunch of stuff, gave him books and he just wouldn't accept it. OK. Well, well, what happened after that? Well, I was just so discouraged. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. One guy. You talk to two people, three people a year, and then you want to report back to me that they don't want to hear it anymore. Who is the they? You're not broadcasting. You're being selective. You're doing so much inspecting and so little sowing that you're not getting a return. Broadcast the word. How many people have you studied with in 2019? When is the last time? When is the last time? You sat down at your kitchen table or somebody else's with a Bible in your hand and a Bible in their hand and you put your knee to their knee and open the word of God and show them what God says they must do to be right with him. When is the last time you did that? We should be liberal in sowing the seed of the kingdom. There is power in the gospel. It's never lost its power. It never has and it never will. We need to empty our sacks of the seed and allow it an opportunity to work in people's hearts. Y'all tell me if this isn't making sense. Now it may be, it may be that right here, everybody in this congregation has had 10 Bible studies in the last week. That could be true. Yeah, but if it isn't, see, if it isn't, we need to empty our sacks. Yeah, because I know some people won't accept it. That's always been true. It's not going to change for you and me. Some people will hear it at first and start off well and then fall away and you'll be disappointed just like I will. But listen, that's always been true. It's not going to change for us. Some people will come in and listen, they'll be caught up with drugs and caught up with some man or some woman they shouldn't be with or caught up in love and material things and they won't ever grow to maturity. I know that that's always been true. It's not going to change for us. Kingdom living is about sharing the good news about the kingdom with everyone in every place. My encouragement to you is that you don't forget that. My encouragement to you is that you make that a priority because God will give the increase. Sometimes he'll give it in places you least expect it. 
It's 12 o'clock. We're supposed to end at 12 o'clock. Questions, thoughts, concerns, though, before we do that. We're going to wrap up right now, but that doesn't mean we don't have time for your questions, your thoughts, or your concerns. Questions, thoughts, concerns about any of that. Well, if you didn't hear, she was saying that maybe we're not uh, paying as much attention to some local mission uh, possibilities, including college campuses. And I think that's exactly right. You know, the congregation where I am, this is very, very liberal in terms of sending support to people so that they can do halfway around the world what we should be doing right here at home. That's the way I explain it to them. I think it's great that we do that. Every congregation can't do it. The congregation where I am, you know, a lot of, a lot of resources to do that and I think it's fantastic but then I say listen you can't export the Great Commission I mean you're sending money over there for them to do what we're supposed to do right here you're supporting them so that they can go and talk to all the people in the area where they are we have to talk to all the people in the area where we are and uh, we sometimes we have to sort of think again about the environment that we're in. I didn't say that there's no need, no cause, no benefit to studying the area. You know, if I want to plant something, I have to do my research and figure out, you know, what's the best way, the shading, the water, the soil, and all this. I figure all that out before I go and plant. But when it's time to plant, hey, listen, get that seed out of your bag. It's never going to give you any return in the bag. you got to unload the bag. And uh, college campuses are, are very ripe. I, I better stop because I could talk forever. But when we were in D.C., we had a robust college ministry. I mean, we had people who would send their kids to Howard or send their kids to some of the other colleges there. And they would kind of have to hope, you know, that the kid's going to find a place to worship and some faithful people to worship with. And some of them didn't. I mean, they get caught up going to stuff on campus or caught up going to something with some denominations or not going at all. But we sort of made it our business to be a presence on the college campus. And we didn't go to college there, but we supported the students, we equipped the students, and they on the campus did the work. Baptized a lot of college students that way. There's opportunities like that all over. Listen, I want to thank you for your time this morning and last night. We'll try again tomorrow thinking about kingdom living. The good news is that the kingdom has come into the world. Jesus said, repent for the kingdom is at hand. Then he told his disciples the kingdom would come before many in that generation would die. The kingdom is not something that some people like they'll teach and think about. Well, the kingdom will come when Jesus comes back. No, listen, the kingdom is here right now. The kingdom is in the hearts of those who accept Jesus as Lord and surrender their lives to him. The kingdom is here right now. The question is, do you want to participate in the kingdom? And we want to invite you to do that this morning you believe that Jesus is the son of God. Jesus is the king. He does reign right now. He reigns in the hearts of men. You just have to believe that. If you believe that he has the authority, Jesus said all authority has been given to me in heaven and in earth. He has the authority. If you believe that and will submit to it, that means you'll have to change your mind. Listen, repentance, repentance is not like this mystical thing. No, it's very simple. God says one thing, you're doing another thing. You change your mind to bring your mind into compliance with his mind. 
If you want to be on the same page with God, listen to me. If you want to be on the same page with God, you have to change your mind because he's not going to change his mind. How about that? What God said, he's not going to change. If you want to agree with him, you have to change so that you say in your mind what he said in his mind. That's what repentance is. You change your mind. A change of mind will logically lead to a change of behavior. If you have never obeyed the gospel, you confess Jesus with your mouth. I believe Jesus is the son of God. We see that confession in Acts chapter 8. When you do that, then we will baptize you to have your sins washed away. Not because that's what we do. No, but because that's what Jesus said must be done. He that believes and is baptized will be saved. Mark 16 and verse 15. The light figure we're into baptism. Baptism does also now save us. 1 Peter 3 and 21. If you'd like to be a saved person, then we would help you with that. We would love to do that. If you're already a Christian, listen, you haven't had your priorities the way they should be. You know, you haven't been living out these kingdom principles in your life. All is not lost. All is not lost. You just see what God expects you to do. You compare that to what you've been doing. If you haven't been doing what he has called you to do, you change your mind. Bring it into compliance with his mind. If you've sinned, you've fallen short, you've asked him to forgive you. The Bible says he's faithful and just to forgive you. First John 1. Human beings aren't always faithful and just to forgive you. But God is not a man. If you will faithfully commit to him to do better, he will forgive you for your transgression. So. We'll sing this song of invitation, and if you stand in need of prayer and stand in need of help of any kind, please come and let us know how we can help you.